on-demand program streaming 20. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. C. diff, spores, and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at cloroxhealthcare.com. Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome to the program, and thank you for joining us today. We would like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products keeping environments safer. CloroxHealthcare.com forward slash Radio. It's a pleasure to introduce our guest today. We have Jenna Patel Arseno, a behavioral health nurse at Cornerstone Visiting Nurse Association, with Janice Howard, the director of the Life Care Private Duty Program at Cornerstone Visiting Nurse Association. Both Jenna and Janice are here today to discuss the importance of the caregiver and the caregiver's role. At this time, I would like to introduce both of our guests, Janet and Jenna and Janice, to the program. Welcome, you both, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You're, you're very welcome, and thank you so much. And today's episode is a a wealth of information um, and key points that we all appreciate you sharing with us and our global listeners. Um, I'm going to start, Janice, if you don't mind, um, I'm going to start with you and ask you um, if you wouldn't mind taking the time to discuss what is a caregiver. Okay. No, Nancy. Well, simply put, truly a, a caregiver is a family member or it can be a family member or a paid helper who would regularly take care of the sick, you know, so on an ongoing, um, on an ongoing basis for sick, elderly, or disabled people. Okay. Okay. And in what areas of care would we find a caregiver, Janice? We can find caregivers everywhere today. Nursing homes, assisted living facilities, and the area that is our expertise is in home health and personal care agencies. So they're providing um, care to a person in their home, but that, again, can be provided by either a paid provider, um, such as we are for skilled medical needs, such as nurses, physical and occupational therapists, speech Mm -hmm. therapy, social workers, and nursing assistants. So these... in that care area, these are usually paid by Medicare and, you know, other health care insurances, sometimes veterans benefits. Um, and then organizations such as this usually offer support 
you know, support staff for non-medical services, such as, like, personal care attendants, homemakers, companions. And, and these are usually non-medical, these support services, and they're usually paid by the clients um, with the help of family members. And sometimes there's state monies and veterans benefits that will pay for those, um, you know, for those non-medical services as well. Okay. And Nancy, I would like to, if, if I have time... Um, we also find the care provided by unpaid care caregivers, which is, I believe, is part of your focus today. And um, this is these are people caring for, being cared for by their family and friends. There was a, a recent study from the AARP um, that found that family caregivers in the United States provided 37 billion hours of care. So that's free care. Was an estimated um, worth of $470 billion. And then wow. if you compare that to what Medicare, that was, um, I think that was in a 2015 update, Medicare spent $449 billion. So there are a lot of caregivers out there that are providing care for their loved ones um, and not getting paid or compensated for that. Wow. Thank you so much, Janice. We had no idea. And, you know, when you start looking at the statistics of today and, and you know, the aging um, population, it's mm-hmm. really, it's showing up in the numbers, isn't it? It is. It is. And that's, I don't know, I couldn't help but think what that, you know, you add those two figures together, that's what, you know, Medicare could be, could be paying if it weren't for the people that are willing to you know, sometimes go down to a part-time job or not work at all or, you know, the older caregivers just doing their part to take care of people in their homes. Um, Exactly. It's huge. Exactly. It is. It is. It really is. And thanks for sharing that with everyone today. And Janice, what does a typical day look like for a caregiver? Okay. Well, truly, I don't think there's a typical day in the life of a caregiver, but as many of your listeners know, there really are there 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 are basics, um, and that's personal care and helping to maintain a clean uh, you know a clean um, and safe environment. And we can talk about that. Um, but I can tell you that the, providing those basic activities for someone with dementia and others that require you know total care will leave most of them most of those people with a feeling of exhaustion you know, due to the, the gambit of emotions that the physical demands that they'll experience, you know, over the course of that typical day. Um, in a typical day, it might, it, it'll leave a, you know, a family ca- caregiver sometimes with a feeling of being, you know, inapt or lonely and stressed and unappreciated. Um, but on a more positive note, Nancy, we also hear about the caregivers, you know, they experience joy and love you know, and that sense of accomplishment that they can get despite the, you know, the toll that that day has taken on them. Um, Exactly. Janice, do they have respite care services for a caregiver today? Yes, yes. Um, Do you want me to elaborate on the rest, you know, the respite yeah, on care. the respite care, yeah, that would be really beneficial to our listeners because so many are exhausted and feeling burned out. That's true. Um, so that is that is my area. That is what um, 
our mission is to help give support to, um, you know, to our clients that, that do need to get that respite. And I know that Jen's probably can talk about that um, later on in more depth, but through, in this program. However, um, it, it can come in many ways. Some people will look at, you know, look local churches, maybe organizations, where people are willing to help them, like come and stay with them for a while, you know, while they go out and do appointments or just go out to lunch with a friend, because that's what Jenna and I see a lot of is sometimes the caregivers won't allow themselves that break that they need, which is called which is respite. But people can also pay for it out of pocket. Um, but there are some. I know that we have some uh, some local monies in this, you know, in our state, and I, I'm sure that they all do um, for people to kind of help defray the cost of that. Because unfortunately, it's a, it's considered a non-medical uh, service, so there's mm-hmm. you really have to look for grants or people have to, um, you know, sometimes pay for that out of pocket. So it sometimes can be a barrier, but I try to help people find maybe those resources within their community of people that just, you know, want to do that and be able to help people. That's wonderful. Question, Nancy. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's a wonderful service you provide. And, you know, Janice, um, you're right. There is no such thing as a typical day in the caregiver's life. Um, But maybe you can share with our listeners exactly like what are some of the jobs and responsibilities of a caregiver? Yeah, sure, Nancy. So, as we as we mentioned earlier, people with dementia and physical and mental disabilities. They'll, they'll receive their care from paid caregivers, from professionals and paraprofessionals, and then some will be unpaid from their families and friends. But as you can imagine, the list of responsibilities can be <laughs> countless. But the typical ones are, you know, somebody would be, whether it's a family member or organization, it would be shopping, picking up their prescriptions, buying their groceries. They would need to have their meals prepared. Um, cleaning house and doing the laundry. And then there's also people would need help with um, with their personal care, dressing, bathing, reminding them to take their medications or administering their medications as, in it would, as a nurse, you know, RN would do. Um, and then they oftentimes need help with um, transferring that person in and out of bed, out of chairs, so that can take a physical toll sometimes, especially if it's a, you know, if it's a family caregiver. Um, mm-hmm. But so we're kind of, you know, this field goes back and forth between, you know, medical and, and non-medical things that people need, and sure, and they do need, they do, they do need all those. So there could be things like that they need physical therapy and injections, tube feedings, you know, a plethora of other, you know, uh, medical processes. Um, they'll find themselves arranging for medical appointments, and they got to get there, there and back. Um, and then they're always, you know, working with the doctors and other care managers, you know, to um, make sure that their needs are being met, you know, that what, what we call a care plan. Um, and then for good measure, you know, throw in there for some someone providing care, you know, a medical emergency or some other crisis that might come up while they're um, doing that. So, you know you know, when they're caring for somebody. So as you can see, the jobs and responsibilities are, are huge for a caregiver, especially somebody 
providing that care themselves. Yes, they are. And Janice, before we go to break, if you can just, um, you know, review what are some of the top priorities that you can name for any caregiver um, giving care today? Okay, I can speak on that one. Um, Probably the top priority is to keep the loved one safe at home. Safety is the number one concern. Um, And as Janice had touched on, um, attending to the person's health or medical issues is a huge part of it. That's a huge priority. Um, Making sure they're eating the right kind of diet, taking their meds, um, reporting complications to the doctor in a timely manner. And it's also good to, to make the person you're caring for have a sense of belonging and, um, you know, trying to make them feel fulfilled as much as you can because happiness is a big part of life. So we want to, you know, try to keep our people as happy as possible. And exactly. don't forget taking care of yourself as a caregiver is a top priority as well. Exactly. Thanks, Jenna. And Jenna and Janice, we thank you so much for sharing this information with our listeners today. We're going to pause for a brief commercial break. When we return, we are going to continue discussing caregiving for your loved one as you care for yourself with our guests, Jenna Patel Arsenault and Janice Howard. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the CDF Foundation at 1-844-4CDF. 1-844-367-2343 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? washed your hands. Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You 
are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff spores and more global broadcasting network. And we welcome our listeners joining us today. Our guests are healthcare professionals from the Cornerstone Visiting Nurse Association. Jenna Patel Arseno is a behavioral health nurse with Janice Howard, the director of the Life Care Private Duty Program. Both Jenna and Janice are here to discuss the importance of the caregiver and the caregiver's role. At this time, I would like to reintroduce our guests, Jenna and Janice, to the program. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And, you know, right now, Jenna, um, before the, the break, you and Janice were discussing the role of the caregiver. Can you share with our listeners how common it is for individuals diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia that we may require caregiving services? It's very, very common for people with Alzheimer's or dementia to require caregiving. Um, and this can happen in a lot of different environments. Um, some of the people with these diagnoses, they live in nursing homes, assisted living facilities, some live with their family members, and some are still at home on their own. And, you know, dementia makes it so there's many changes that happen. Some of the changes include um, problems with memory, poor judgment, poor insight, even vision changes can happen with some dementias the ability to think logically and problem solve, that ability goes down. Um, so when things become a safety issue for a loved one, that's when they might need a caregiver to come in and help out and try to keep them as independent as, as possible at home or wherever they are living at the time. Okay, so we put safety in, in the top five, correct? What was that? I said we put safety Keeping them oh. safe, that's a number one reason for implementing oh, yes. a, a caregiver. Number one, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure of that. And Jenna, how prevalent is Alzheimer's or dementia in today's society? Okay. Well, according to Alzheimer's Association, and they have an amazing website, by the way, um, there are five, or more, five million or more Americans with Alzheimer's right now. And... One in three seniors die with Alzheimer's or another kind of dementia. Like when seniors do pass away, one in three would have this diagnosis. And every 66 seconds, someone new in the U.S. is diagnosed. And believe it or not, it's the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. That was a surprising statistic to me. I didn't realize it was that prevalent. No, we didn't realize that either. I mean, five million, that's that's a lot. That is a lot. Yep. Yeah. So, and as the baby boomers continue to age, um, the numbers are just going to get larger and larger. Um, by 20, let's see, 2050, people who are age 65 plus, those people with Alzheimer's, the numbers will triple from, well, right now it's about 5.2 million. That's the most specific estimate. It's projected to go up to 13.8 million people by 2050. Who have Alzheimer's. Oh my goodness. Now, yeah. here's a good question and just, you know, I'm just throwing this out there. Can you even imagine how many caregivers we're going to need? Just, <laughs> right. Wow. That's just a ton. A ton. 
I mean, really, and we're running short on staff a lot of times now with caregiving, so I can't even imagine. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And as people get older, they're the people that would normally care for them and their families. Those people are getting older and, you know, dealing with their own lives and their own responsibilities, and life seems to get, you know, more complicated as time goes by, so exactly. we might be in a pickle. Yeah. And Jenna, how is caring for someone with um, dementia uh, a lot, is it different than caring for someone with uh, another diagnosis? Okay. Uh, well, with the way that Alzheimer's or another kind of dementia affects the brain, um, some of the behavioral changes that go along with that are pretty difficult to handle, difficult to come to terms with. It can be really emotionally painful when your loved one no longer recognizes you. Um, I just can't imagine dealing with that. That would be a very difficult thing. Also, communication becomes a challenge as the person with Alzheimer's might not be able to find the right words or might, you know, over time not be able to speak at all. Um, our patients with Alzheimer's, they're unable to learn new information, so they will not retain um, different directives or directions that you give them, um, and they can't be expected to, to remember those things, so that can be a challenge. Often, our patients we see with Alzheimer's cannot be left alone due to the safety risk, so they really are in need of 24-7 supervision. Exactly. And just, you know, to stay on that subject, Jenna, is um, can you share with the caregivers out and listening um, how they can keep their loved ones safe at home? Right. So people with Alzheimer's or other kinds of dementia, they can live at home as long as the proper safety measures are put into place. Um, so some of the, the top safety issues, um, one thing we recommend to our caregivers is to look around the home environment as if you had Alzheimer's yourself. So you can you know, look around and think, okay, if I was confused or had some memory issues, what about this home environment might be dangerous to me? Um, you want to attend to tools that might be left out, chemicals, cleaning supplies, things like that. Um, it's very similar to kind of childproofing, where you can get down and on a toddler's level and see what might be dangerous. You can also be in that mindset for someone with Alzheimer's. Um, the kitchen is a pretty dangerous place, so you want to avoid hazards there. You might want to remove the knobs from the stove. And there are some really great childproofing devices that, you know, can help latch together cabinets that might have cleaning supplies in them and little door handle um, cups that make it so you can't open a door maybe to a closet that has something in it that could be dangerous. Um, and just simple home safety, like making sure your smoke detectors have fresh batteries, making sure there's fire extinguishers on hand. Um, you know, I could go on and on with different safety considerations. Actually, on the Alzheimer's Association website, there is a big section on safety with some really wonderful ideas that I recommend checking out. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Jenna, for that. Um, you know, a lot of the resources that you share uh, are, are so appreciated because uh, not always thought of first, if you understand. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Jenna, what are some good communication techniques uh, being used that you can use with caregivers that they can use to communicate with those who are diagnosed with dementia? 
Right. Okay. It's important to give your loved one that has dementia, give them time to formulate their thoughts and come up with the words. Um, They might have trouble trying to remember how to word a sentence or a string words together. So give them enough time to do that. Also, when you're communicating, it's important to limit and minimize distractions. Um, Often when I go into homes for home care, the TV might be blaring or the dog's barking or the family members are having a loud conversation when I'm trying to communicate with my patient. So I always try to see if I can turn the TV off and, um, you know, just have it quiet so the person with dementia can concentrate because it is hard for them to multitask and attend to just one thing at once. Um, And some of these tips are good for communicating with anyone. You want to maintain eye contact, speak slowly and clearly. Um, You want to approach the person with dementia from the front because along with um, dementia and definitely Alzheimer's, there are some vision changes that happen so that um, our patients are unable to see as well up high or down low. They can really only see well uh, from the front, so that's why you want to come, come to them in that direction. Um, okay. It's important to ask yes or no questions instead of open-ended questions because it could be overwhelming for a person with Alzheimer's to have to think of their own answer. It's much easier to say yes or no to something. Exactly. Yeah. And Jen, Jenna, before we uh, take a brief commercial break, uh, what are caregivers, uh, what can they do to keep a person diagnosed with dementia engaged in life? Okay. Uh, One thing to help accomplish that, you want to encourage your loved one to continue doing as much as they can, and that's in terms of their personal care or helping out around the house. You don't want to be doing everything for them because that will, um, you know, they might, their skills and abilities might go out of practice. If you allow them to do as much as they can, that helps maintain the functioning that they already have, and that's so important. Um, Even if your loved one is at the stage where they cannot talk anymore, it's important to keep talking to them because Alzheimer's does not affect hearing in any way, so they can probably still hear you unless they have a hearing issue from another reason. So keep talking and keep them engaged that way. Um, it's important to provide meaningful activities, like things that are, are important to them. Um, don't mm-hmm. just kind of plop them down in front of the TV all day because that's not, that's not going to keep them engaged. Um, mm-hmm. You might want to think back to things they loved when they were more active. Um, like, for instance, maybe your mother that you care for, maybe she loved to cook and she was a great cook. She might not be able to do that nowadays with Alzheimer's, but maybe she could help you look through a cookbook and pick out some recipes, or you could talk about the different ingredients that might go good together. So you can take activities from the past that they loved and adapt them to their current functioning. Wow. That's fantastic. And Jenna, thank you so much for sharing all this important information with our listeners. At this time, we're going to pause for a brief commercial break. When we return, we will continue discussing caregiving for your loved ones as you care for yourself with our guests, Jenna Patel Arsano and Janice Howard. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. (music) 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Join us on November 9th and 10th for the 5th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Learn from the leading international topic experts and connect with corporate sponsors and exhibitors providing products and services combating C. difficile and healthcare-associated infections worldwide. For more information and to register online, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call one 877 2343. That's 1-844-4-C-DIFF. The CDIF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDIF can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the CDIF Foundation at 1 844 4CDIF. 1 367 2343. Or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands. Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff spores and more global broadcasting network and we welcome our listeners joining us today. We would like to thank our sponsor Clorox Healthcare for making this program possible. Visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products keeping environments safer. CloroxHealthcare.com forward slash C. diff radio. Today our guests are Jenna Patel Arsenault and Janice Howard, both healthcare professionals from the Cornerstone Visiting Nurse Association. Jenna Patel Arsenault is a behavioral health nurse and Janice Howard is the director of the Life Care Private Duty Program. Both Jenna and Janice are here to discuss the importance of caregivers and the caregiver's role. At this time, I would like to reintroduce Jenna and Janice to the program. Welcome back for joining us today. Thank you. 
No, you're welcome. Thank you. And um, Jenna, I'm going to direct this to you because before break, you were explaining the importance of caregiving for a person with a memory impairment diagnosis, the most common being Alzheimer's and dementia. Can you share with our listeners some of the advantages and disadvantages of caregiving for a loved one? Sure. Um, There are definitely a lot of each um, in terms of advantages. People that caregive for their loved one often feel a sense of fulfillment. Um, They feel needed and useful. Um, They may even learn about themselves. It might be a really personal experience where they have a lot of self-growth. They may feel like they're giving back to their family. They figure, oh, my mom and dad raised me, so now it's my turn to kind of pay it back and take care of them when they need it. Um, Also, an advantage is a social network that may come up among caregivers. You might find a group of people that are in the same boat as you and develop strong bonds with them. Um, Additional advantages, uh, monetary gain. People might be paid for their caregiving. Um, They might be able to live with the person they're caring for, so housing might be provided, or other kind of payments. Um, It really depends on what the arrangement is. And then on the other side, the disadvantages, uh, there are some mental health and physical health concerns to be aware of. Some people experience economic hardship while they're caregiving. Um, Also, too much pressure and lots of stress that goes along with it, especially for the sandwich generation. And that is the generation of people that are caring for Um, their parents, and also children that they might have at home. So they're sandwiched in between, um, you know, generations that need their help. Mm -hmm. Other disadvantages include a loss of self-identity and exhaustion. Exactly. And that's kind of like the burnout process, isn't it? It is, yes. Okay. Um, Jenna, what is... What is caregiver burnout? Okay. Well, the definition that I found that I like the most, um, I think it really explains it in one, one statement. Caregiver burnout, it's a state of physical, emotional, and mental exhaustion that may be accompanied by a change in attitude from positive and caring to negative and unconcerned. So it's a shift that people often go through when all of the stress and the responsibilities build up and they just can't really handle it anymore. Um, So this can happen when caregivers don't get the help that they need in giving care to their loved one, when they try to do more than what they are capable of doing, whether there are time constraints or maybe they're just not trained in how to do something correctly. Um, Unrealistic expectations of themselves and they might, you know, have expectations of really being able to make a big impact on their loved one's care, um, but sometimes they fall short when they don't see big changes happening. That's very common. Um, Also, caregiver burnout comes when a person feels a lack of control. They might not be able to control the situation, and that can be really frustrating too. Right. And Jenna, are there any warning signs of caregiver burnout that uh, they would, you know, see or other family members would witness? Yes, yeah. A lot of the signs and symptoms are very similar to the symptoms of depression. So some of these include withdrawing from others, like your family members or friends, 
Um, a person might lose interest in things they used to like to do. They might not do any of their activities that brought them pleasure. They might have a feeling of being irritable or feeling down. They might have helplessness or hopelessness about the situation. You might notice a change in their appetite or weight, and this could be either an increased appetite or a decreased appetite. And the same goes for sleep, either an increase or a decrease in sleep. So each person experiences that differently. Uh, you might come across someone who is having thoughts to hurt themselves or even hurt the person they are caring for. Um, emotional and physical exhaustion are, you know, very common. You might find a caregiver overusing alcohol or illegal drugs or prescription drugs to help cope, and they might neglect their own needs. So those are right. the top ones. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and Jenna, are there any health risks associated with caregiving? Yes. Yep. Um, depression and anxiety, that's the top one. And according to a study on caregiver.org, um, it says that 40 to 70% of caregivers have symptoms that fall under the depression and anxiety realm. And 25 to 50% of caregivers are actually diagnosable with major depressive disorder. And when I say that, it, it might not mean that they have been diagnosed, but that they meet the criteria to have that very serious diagnosis. Okay. Um, other health issues, uh, drugs and alcohol abuse and dependence, um, and also symptoms of chronic stress. And some of those include cognitive decline, and that could affect short-term memory. It could affect attention also. They might not be able to concentrate like they once did. So there are a lot of mental implications, but also some physical ones. Um, according to, again, this caregiver.org website, there are chronic conditions such as heart disease, heart attacks, cancer, and diabetes, and these are felt at twice the rate among caregivers when compared to non-caregivers. So that is pretty serious. Yeah, that's a major... Yeah, and I could go on. There's, there's a whole list of risks. Which, uh, that come with caregiving. That come with caregiving, yes. Now, you can explain to our listeners what can a caregiver do to take care of themselves? Okay. So, there are some things you can do to try to avoid the caregiver burnout. Um, you can learn about the disease or the health issue that is affecting your loved one. And along with knowledge comes power. So, when you have that knowledge under your belt, you might be able to make better decisions. Um, it's important to be realistic and adjust your expectations. Um, don't expect to, to make everything all better because that's too much for anyone to do. Be realistic about what you can accomplish. Accept your own feelings. Don't feel guilty for feeling burnt out, um, but you, you do have to face those feelings and see what you can do about them. It's important to keep a sense of humor Definitely accept help from others when it's offered, and you can even go out and seek help. You don't have to just wait for people to offer, but there are agencies out there, like my agency that, that Janice and I work at. Um, we're here to help people that need caregiving. Um, and a big part of avoiding burnout is take care of yourself, and that could include eating well, eating healthy, taking time to exercise, making sure you get enough sleep, Spend time away from the person you're caregiving for. 
Um, do things that you find relaxing. Spend time with people that make you feel good, like your friends. And stay active with your health. So that means don't skip doctor appointments. Uh, don't skip refilling your prescriptions. Definitely attend to your health because if you are sick, you're not going to be able to help the person you're supposed to be helping. And also there are support groups out there that people can join that I've heard make a huge difference in their lives. Amazing. Okay, well, that's really great to know. And um, Jenna, do you have um, a resource that you can share with our listeners for the Alzheimer's Association? I do, yes. They have a really wonderful website, which we've talked about already. They also have a toll-free 24-7 phone line. And if you don't have a computer, um, definitely give this, this line a call, and you'll get a wonderful staff person um, who will help direct you towards resources, and they're able to mail out different care guides and worksheets, um, information on local resources in your area. So the phone number for them, it's 1-800-272-3900. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jenna. There are so many um, who will take advantage of that phone number uh, because uh, a lot of individuals don't have computers. And, right. um, yeah. you know, it really, it, it helps when we have the hotline and the and the telephone number accessible. So thank you for sharing that. And before we go to break, Jenna, is it possible for a caregiver to get paid for caring for their loved ones at home? This really depends on the state that you live in. Um, in some states, yes, there are programs set up for you to get trained and get certified and then be able to provide care to your loved one for pay. Um, your loved one has to meet certain income and eligibility requirements. So if you're interested in looking into this um, in your state, I advise that you go down to your local social services agency and they, they would be able to point you in the right direction to see if your state even does this and if they do, how to get hooked up with it. Um, there are also some veterans benefits that may, depending on the state again, um, that may assist with caregiving. Um, and also, you might want to consider writing up a caregiver contract with your family member that you're caring for because maybe they um, are able to pay a little bit for your time or you can work out another kind of deal. Um, and it's suggested that you work with an elder care lawyer to make everything fair and legal. Wonderful. Well, I thank you so much, Jenna, that information and the key points that you've shared with our listeners are going to be uh, beneficial. And right now we're going to go, we're, we are going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we'll continue discussing caregiving for your loved ones as you care for yourself with our guests, Jenna Patel Arseno and Janice Howard. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these important messages. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Join us on November 9th and 10th for the 5th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Learn from the leading international topic experts and connect with corporate sponsors and exhibitors providing products and services combating C. difficile and healthcare-associated infections worldwide. For more information and to register online, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call one 877 2343. That's 1-844-4-C-DIFF. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean, dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more, Global Broadcasting Network. We welcome our listeners joining us today. Our guests today are healthcare professionals from the Cornerstone Visiting Nurse Association. Jenna Patel Arseno is a behavioral health nurse with Janice Howard, the director of the Life Care Private Duty Program. Both Jenna and Janice are here to discuss caregiving for your loved one and you, wait a minute, sorry, caregiving for your loved ones as you care for yourself. At this time, I'd like to reintroduce our guests, Jenna and Janice, to the program. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you. No, thank you for being here. And I appreciate and all of us appreciate everything that you're sharing with us, all the information and the resources. And Jenna, would you mind explaining why should caregivers reach out for support? Okay. Um, I think it's so important for caregivers to reach out so that they know they're not alone 
Um, knowing others are in your same position makes it feel a lot better, makes it so you know that other people are experiencing the same things you are, whether those are good things or bad things. Um, in-person and online support groups are a great way to reach out. It's a place where you can share what worked with your loved one, what didn't really work. You can learn from their experiences and share advice. And you might even learn about different resources that you were unaware of before you talk to these people that um, are in your same position. And um, Janice, are you... Are there outside agencies available to help caregivers with their loved ones at home? Absolutely. So as when when we talked earlier about the baby boomers and the amount of people that will be requiring care, as you can imagine, it's kind of big business, especially for uh, not-for-profits. So there. So the answer is yes. <laughs> you know, there are nonprofit home agencies as well as for-profits in all states and. Earlier you mentioned that this is global, so um, it, it, it is everywhere and the demand is every, everywhere. And um, I, just in the United States, according to the, uh, uh, one of the latest studies that the Center for Disease Control did, there's like 12,440 home health care agencies in the United States. So you shouldn't have any trouble finding an agency um, to provide you with the care and support, but you may want to, when you're researching, read the testimonials, ask around, um, you know, sometimes that grassroots thing, like talk to your neighbors, your friends to see who they might use and why they use them, you know, to help you find an or, you know, a, a agency or an organization that's going to, mm-hmm. you know, meet, meet your needs and, and, and then offer the best care possible. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, and I... These are pretty standard questions that I think anybody should ask and not be afraid to ask those questions. For instance, and how long has the agency been providing home care services? Are they Medicare certified? Are they, um, is the agency that you're looking at um, licensed by the state? And then the other thing, of what, what range of home care services does the agency even provide? You might need help with specific ser- services like physical therapy, occupational therapy. You might need a social worker to help you, you know, navigate through things. Um, Do you need respite and does that organization provide, you know, staff for respite? Um, And another thing, do they do background checks? Do they do it on all their employees, including their volunteers? Because that's important as well. And then if you're you're looking for somebody, I strongly suggest if you're not going to use an organization and you're going to, you know, maybe um, interview people, you always want to do a background check. This is a very vulnerable population, and you really want to make sure that you've got the safest person in there um, possible. All states have, um, uh, you know, you can check the background and and, um, other things to see if they've ever been um, committed of a crime towards um, an an elderly person or a child. And then mm-hmm. the other thing is, how are the staff supervised? I think those are all pretty important questions. So I know I kind of got off a little bit because it's really there's so many now, and we talked privately that there wasn't all, there were not all these resources out there or organizations like there are now. Mm-hmm. So it's really just kind of doing your homework, um, enlist your kids to kind of help you ask those questions if you don't feel comfortable 
Um, but you really should be interviewing the organization that you are looking to hire for your loved one, whether it's respite or their health care. Exactly. And Janice, what kind of support is available locally? So, well, again, that's going to be something that's different wherever your wherever your region is. Um, to find, you know, finding out what's in your local area. There's, you know, there are many websites, and and um, here we use something called uh, ServiceLink. It's New Hampshire's designated aging and disability resource center, but. I, it is my belief that every state has the same type of, you know, it's a, it's a not-profit. It's usually state-run um, and funded. Doctor's offices, that's where I notice whenever I'm in a doctor's office, they, they usually have that. So ask at the doctor's office what that state's um, designated resource center is, um, and they should be able to help. And it usually kind of goes by counties, um, but you can also go to, um, there's the American Association for Home Care, and there's also a Home Care Association. You can go to these websites um, for these organizations, and usually what they'll do is you put in your zip code or your city, and it will come up with all the resources in your, in your area. And, you know, my grandchildren like to say, just Google it. Um, for, but there are a lot of people, as Jenna and Nancy pointed out, not all caregivers have access to a computer. Um, mm-hmm. But, again, most organizations are open to phone calls and then more than happy to mail you the information that you're seeking. And then there's also the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, they should be able to help guide you in some of these areas. And even if you need maybe some, some uh, monies to help you get that support locally. So okay. I guess you could look online and... And also, don't forget that the good old-fashioned phone directory and and mm-hmm. um, and, and look up some of those resources um, right. for local support. Well, thank you, Janice. Thanks for sharing all that with our listeners. And Jenna, before we close the show, are there any technical um, devices that can make caregiving easier? There are. There are a lot of technological devices out there that can be a big help. Um, on the low-tech end of things, a simple med planner, like the little plastic box with the little doors you open up, um, having one of those for your loved one is so important. Uh, filling up those med boxes every week would be a very, help, a very big help and keep your loved one safe. Um, also, they make locked med boxes that distribute just that dose. Um, and those, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve on those but they can be very helpful as well. If your loved one um, has some wandering behaviors, there are door alarms on the market. That might be a good idea um, Mm -hmm. to install. Also, webcams. Or if you have an iPad, for instance, with a little camera on it, you could connect with your loved one while you're away. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that would be a really great way to see them, to put eyes on them, Mm -hmm. even though you can't be there right at that time. Right. Also, there are some uh, jewelry with GPS embedded in them that would be good for a person that wanders. They might not even know they're being (laughs) tracked on GPS. The jewelry looks so nice. They might think it's just a regular piece of jewelry. So if that's a concern, that's um, something to do. Right. Also, 
the Lifeline or smart care devices that are on the market. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the devices you'd press the button if you were to fall or need help for some reason, and EMS would be called. Um, There's a whole other... There's, I could go on for, forever and ever with all the different devices that are out there. Um, care.com is another, it's not really um, a device or anything, but it's a website where you can look for uh, homemakers okay. and senior care providers. Okay. So just a couple of the things. Jenna, I, we, I thank you so much, Jenna and Janice, for joining us today. Uh, we've run out of time. And we are going to close the show, and we just want to say thank you for joining us today on Siege of Spores and More Global Broadcasting Network. We've learned a great deal from the both of you ladies on the topic of caregiving for your loved ones as you care for yourself. Join us every week on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, and we thank you very much for being here today, and we wish you good health and great day. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together.